been talking about for this past month about the grace of God. And uh, uh, leading up to this wonderful event in which grace appeared. Uh, the evidence of grace is off, is, you know, has, was all over, but never quite in the form and the fashion and the completeness of which we can observe in this time, in this season of the birth of, of Jesus Christ. I do not pretend to be able to unfold all the beauty and the wonders of, of grace. As, the fact is that uh, this month, as I have you know, attempted to uh, discover even more, uh, I know less. I know. And I stand in awe. I stand amazed, and yet I hope this morning that somehow I can get you. And there are many things about grace that I will not have covered. But uh, and there has been things in my notes that, that I had written down, but it seemed that the Holy Spirit at the time of delivery, you know what I mean, only would point out certain things. And so uh, this is not a complete, has not been a complete, uh, you know, study of grace. Uh, but uh, hopefully it will uh, help you and us, you know, to see this, this amazingness of, of God's grace in life, in what it does, what it's doing. And uh, today I entitled it Agent of Grace. Jesus Christ is God's agent of grace. He is not only grace personified. He is not only grace in fullness and truth in fullness. He, he is your agent for grace. In many things we have agents, you know what I mean? And they help us, okay, to discover the various policies that we may have. And, and Jesus Christ is God's agent to help you understand the policy that God has taken out regarding your life. You were doomed. The wages of sin is death. But God, through Jesus Christ, took an insurance policy out on you. And so Jesus comes to what I mentioned last week was to upgrade our view of God throughout life. Circumstances, teachings, you know what I mean? All of those things that, that, that convey and, and become a real part of our lives begin to form and for thousands of years, the events of life, the work of men, the work of God, all mixed together, began to form an image in the minds of people. Notwithstanding, there was a, another God. The God that was, he refers to as the God of this world, the influencing one who's always been against God, is doing his best to blind people doing his best to give the wrong image. So you perceive him, you know, different than what he really is. 
And so Jesus comes to sort things out, to clarify the shadows that are there, but you can't make it out completely. Jesus is the one that God says, you know what I mean, is going to be my full and complete representative. And that's why Jesus could say that when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Hallelujah. So, uh, you know, in our upgrading view of God, and he is the agent of Christ, and that uh, you and I live in a very special time. And by that special time, you know, I'm not talking about just our generation, but since the birth of Christ and unto however long it goes, it is a mystery. It is, a, it is a, a, an arena and an area of time that the prophets before, you know what I mean, the New Testament, before Christ's coming, they, they, they prophesied about it, but it was not clear to them. You know, they were looking, but it was still kind of cloudy. And this uh, design of in the heavenlies as it was taking place, the angels are looking on and they're, they're wondering, what is all about this? They're seeing what's taking place. They're hearing the communication, you know what I mean? They're observing the planning and it says that they desired to look into it, but could not. They, they, there, was a, there was a barrier. And yet you and I uh, are privileged to participate in and to have the insights and, and greater clarity. And yet there's so much more than even what the angels, you know, had. Even as they are being part of the, 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 the program, they're not always clear on what, you know what I mean, what their part is, is saying. And so... The agent of grace, the agent of grace when grace appeared. And I'll give my scriptures this morning, Andy, if you would, and uh, as we uh, just give foundation. Familiar with you, or yes, familiar with you. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. How many like signs? Uh, whether you got it on the road sign or a GPS or whatever, thank God for signs. <laughs> Amen? They're, they're there to draw attention, to reveal something, you know what I mean? Give direction. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which actually means God is with us. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. His name will be called the Wonderful, the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you to find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. 
looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. All of those scriptures are so powerful and you can run with with many of those. The uh, events. Well, let me start with this. Nativity scenes have been barred from malls, from schools, and public places. Been replaced by snowmen and candy canes and reindeer. And why is the nativity scene such a problem? They can't be the stable or the animals. It's not even the baby in the manger. People love babies. They love babies. There wouldn't be any offense for an angel coming and saying, today a baby is born. The fact is, there's often a gathering and a celebration. But the announcement was more than a baby being born. The announcement was a savior for all people. Christ the Lord, the one who had been promised long-awaited Savior, the eternal Son of God, the one who's greater than the universe. And we can use the word old when it comes to God. He really doesn't get old, because, but he's older than the stars. More than a baby. This event is so... Monumental in the eyes of God, in the presentation of God, that it's only the second time in the history of, of creation that God ever calls the angelic choir from the heavenlies, from, that is God's heavenlies, to our heavenlies. The first time that God calls the angelic choir to go ahead and sing on behalf of what has taken place is at creation. In Job chapter 38, it says that, you know what I mean, as God is talking with Job, he lets him know that when he was making this great universe that we know about, he went ahead and summoned the heavenly choir and brought them from his heaven into our heaven. I mean, I know there's a difference. God has a heaven. Paul was caught up into the third heaven. All right? The domain and dimension of God. But then we have what is called our heaven. And so in our heaven, these, 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 this angelic choir at creation began to sing about the program of God and the work and the creation of God. From that 
time, there was a, a sellout, so to speak. And so, again, when we get to the redemption of that first creation, God summons the angels back in, or from his heaven into ours. And that's where you begin to unfold the Christmas story. As God makes the announcement of reclaiming, of redeeming, and of restoring and restoration. So it is a monumental, worthy of singing, worthy of attention, worthy of going through the particulars. Because there's a lot of things that have happened in the itinerary of God. The angels choir did not become part of. Let me tell you, I've said this before, but let me share it again. The amazingness of this. We have the angels and we have the shepherds. Who are these shepherds? What is neat about it is you discover that these shepherds are not ordinary shepherds. Ordinary in the sense of, you know, their role. These are the shepherds that were in charge of the flocks that would produce the lambs for sacrificial offerings. Sacrificial offerings. Because that was custom and that is the way God had arranged it. That for the sin and the well-being and the future of people that there would be the shedding of blood of lambs. The thing of it was is that those lambs could not have a blemish. There couldn't be a spot on them. Kind of like Tom's horses, you know what I mean? They got to be perfect, don't they, Tom? And so the, these shepherds, you know, were keeping those sheep. And there were some things that they understood about it. And so when the angel went ahead and said, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. What is ringing in their eye and their hearts and their minds? And how are they going to know where to find him? Because there's more than one stable in Bethlehem. Well, they knew where to find him. Because when the angel said, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. When the sacrificial lambs and the moms would birth a lamb, and it was a perfect lamb, they would wrap those lambs with rags. They would wrap their legs. They would wrap them, you know what I mean, so that in their infancy and in their growing and their hyperness, they would not, you know what I mean, bruise themselves. They would not, you know, somehow have cuts and bruises and 
what would we call spots or, you know, things that can happen in animals. I don't know what they call some of those. I mean, they look ugly sometimes. <laughs> but they would wrap them so that they wouldn't injure themselves so that when it came time for them to be offered, they qualified as a lamb that was spotless and without blemish. And so these angels, when they, or excuse me, these shepherds, when they heard that, they immediately understood and knew where to go. Because where Jesus was born was where the sacrificial lambs were kept safe. Amazing layout of identity. It really is, church. Every little piece of programming, the setup of God, just phenomenal. Amen. Christmas is far more than colorful packages, and I'm sure you'll agree with me on that, bows and shepherds, and how, but I love them. You know, angels and, of course, the wise men, it's really a symbol of God's, God's grace. Jesus is that symbol of God's grace. The journey from Bethlehem through the darkness of Calvary to the glorious light of the Easter morning, it introduces us to the age of grace. God reaching out to mankind. In Ephesians, it's called the unsearchable mysteries and riches of his grace. It's Colossians that depicts it and says that now God is closer than skin. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. As you unwrap this package of Christ, you're unwrapping grace. It is a love that actually cares. It is God putting himself where we are and taking our place. Setting himself up to be and take the punishment that we deserved. Grace is God doing something for our brokenness and our chaos. How many know we could use some grace in the land? Grace is God making himself available to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. At the heart of this Christmas season is really the celebration of hope. The hope that is in the agent of grace, and that's Christ. It is God demonstrating his generosity. It's grace. His grace elevates man so that man can share in divine life. I know what 
feels very natural sometimes. But yet there is an activity. There's an infusion of divine life into the believer. All found in the wonderful person of Jesus Christ. The beauty of grace, it does more than just go ahead and give us peace with our past. It gives us hope for the future. It not only gives us position, but it also furnishes us with the means by which to stand in that position. Beloved, now are you the sons of God. There's some change and transformation, he said, that's going to be taking place. But your position right now is sons of God. And grace enables it in you and I to stand in that, that position. And not only do we have a position because of his grace, connected with that position is the wonderful, you know, uh, 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 treasures, revenues of God himself. My God is able to cause all things to abound toward you. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Get in touch with heaven because there's some things there for you. This is a grace that's internal and internal. It sanctifies us. It sets us apart. Makes us accepted in the beloved. But it's not only a grace that's internal. It's a grace that is also external. An external grace that, that goes ahead and creates supernatural paths for God's people. We've seen it in history of Scripture. And I'm sure that you've experienced it in your life. You are such a blessed person this morning if you see because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, blessed are your eyes because you see and your ears because you hear. Because many prophets and righteous people have desired to see what you see, but do not. Amazed. Amazed. Christmas is... God's fulfillment of promise. It's the birth of a new covenant, and we want to discover that we've been trying to do. Grace is the door of access to the Father, in which He says, Don't stay on the outside. Make it a make it a habit. Feel comfortable walking in. Yeah, I'm on the throne, but I'll guarantee you I'll lift the scepter to you. Come in because there's, there's resources available to you. There's mercy when you, you know what I mean, blew it. 
There's grace when you've got a shortage. Grace is not just about saving us, but it's about providing relationship. Relationship with the Father. The whole work of Jesus Christ. And he's the, he's the mediator. He is all of that. But is to bring you and offer you and I relationship with the Father. It's in his grace. In Jesus Christ, grace is touchable. It's touchable. Here's the one that used to live in a tent and walk with him through the wilderness. Now is with them like them. Let me give you a little bit of Grace's journey in getting here in Jesus Christ. Now, there are so many pictures, but the part that I want you to see this morning is the character of grace. Those miraculous events that took place, some was in dark and messy and uncomfortable and embarrassing and even the scandalous journey that's included in the journey of grace. The unlikely men and women in the lineage of grace that reveals what grace really is. All church. Behind every name and every story. Stories of barrenness. And then miraculous births. Stories of love, war, loyalty, and betrayal. All in the journey of grace. There are five women that I want to reference this morning in the journey of grace and just give you a tidbit of them. Because it gives you a picture of grace. Tamar. She's the daughter-in-law of Judah. She was wrongly denied marriage to Judah's youngest son. And when that happened, she disguised herself as a prostitute. And she became pregnant by her father-in-law. In the midst of this human compromise, God's grace gleams. Because the birth of Tamar and Judah's son Perez, the line of Christ continued in spite of this dysfunctional family sin. We're talking about grace this morning, church. Then we have Rahab. 
Most are familiar with her. The theme of grace begins to display itself. This Gentile prostitute. You know the story how after she protected the Israelites, she was spared along with her family. The destruction that happened in Jericho. But in time, this prostitute became a bride. And there, God's grace is glimmering again through the marriage of Rahab to one of the messianic lines. Her role as the mother of the redempted hero, Boaz. Then there's Ruth, Ruth and Naomi. Number one, she's a cultural outsider. She's a widowed mini at a Moabite. And she enters the family of Christ's lineage through twisted turns of tragedy and yet grace. She moves from the Moabites to Bethlehem. She's embittered. She, not, excuse me, she's not embittered. Her mother-in-law is embittered, Naomi. And yet, Ruth was given predict, provision and protection. Think about who she is now. In the field of Rahab's godly son, Boaz, a relative of Naomi. The display of grace in Ruth and Boaz. Our new hope begins to come forth. Redeemed sorrows are now giving a future, an anticipation. Because it becomes the lineage, the son of Obed, the grandfather of King David, through Ruth. Then we have the wife of Uriah or Bathsheba, You know the story. Uriah is one of David's mighty men. Simply known as Uriah the Hittite. When he was away at war, adultery is committed. Her and David and David and her. The story continues to extend in that after she discovers her pregnancy and David attempts to mask and cover it up and he brings the warrior home. But being loyal to King David and his fellow servicemen, he would not go visit his wife in her home. So David sets up a murder plot. Has him killed, killed in battle, and he marries Bathsheba. Sin was grave. The consequences were bitter. The death of their first child. God's grace can overcome such treachery. God's grace can survive a fall that's deep. 
And so out of that, that scandalous setting and marriage, God gives David and Bathsheba, second son, as you know, and his name is Solomon. And through him, the line leading to Christ continues. And then we have Mary. Grace arrives uncontaminated by the channels of delivery. A virgin who found favor with God. Story that blessed are you among women by all generations. But if you think that your parents would have comfortably let you hang out with her in the in-between stages of the unfolding Christmas story, think again. We know that she would have endured the stigma of burying a child outside of marriage. And in the world's eyes, she probably definitely wasn't the choice as a mother of a king. These are misfits. Casts of characters. Through which grace? See, even though, even through, excuse me, the sins of his people, he can and he does plot for their glory. Let me say it again. Even through the sins of his people, this is the wonder of grace. It's God's initiative. You can never receive grace on your own merit. But you can receive it on the merit of Jesus Christ. He's plotting for the glory. When you think he's farthest from you, or even has turned against you, the truth is that he's laying a foundation stone of greater happiness for your life. When you think he's the farthest from you, or even has turned against you. I have... uh, been doing this for a few years. I never knew the wonder of grace for so many years. Did I believe in it? Limited understanding of it? Did I embrace it? Was I a recipient of it? Oh my, yes. But never to the degree. You see, behind every frowning circumstance, There is a smiling face of God. 
behind every frowning circumstance. Smiling face of God. You can become so embittered by circumstances that you can't see him at work in your life. That's what happened to Naomi in the book of Ruth. She couldn't see God working ahead of her. But grace carried her. Brokenness became the opportunity. And God began to heal the cracks. Because of grace, you don't have to hide your cracks. We just have to come. Because that's what he does. Transforming power of, of God's grace. Grace comes and it points us in the right direction. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is how you get to the Father. Jesus is God's assurance that there is going to be God at your side at every turn, at every step of the way. Because grace is more than a fond look, more than a pat on the back. Grace is God's divine answer to all your human weaknesses in every way. He's the key for every problem. He's the light for every shadow. And he's the relief for every sorrow. And he is the plan for every tomorrow. And I don't write those things just to be poetic. But to convey. To upgrade your view of God. That we have a treasure in earthen vessels. And we're so overwhelmed sometimes and so, so muted by the earthliness. We're occupied by the earthen vessel rather than catching a glimpse of the treasure that is in the earthen vessel. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He says in relationship when he gets ready, you know what I mean, to go back to heaven after to finish his work. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to stick around forever. Christ came for our advantage, not his. Grace tells us that he loves all men, just not a few. 
Grace teaches us to have an expectancy. Grace is divine help. You know, faith does not necessarily make things easy, but it makes things possible. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. You want an easy life. I want an easy life. And God wants you to have a powerful life. That's right. Christmas emphasis is more on who Christ is. More than a baby, you've heard it in a manger and our kids sang it. The seed that he talked about in Genesis as he conversed with Adam and Eve, you know, and the devil. There's another day coming. I remember a message that says it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Speaking about the death and the resurrection. Well, you can always rest assured in life and in death that if you believe in Jesus Christ, that Sunday is coming. Amen. Sunday is coming. He's the Passover lamb. That's why the shepherds could sing and went and told the story because they understood it. He's the eternal high priest. You never have to go to anyone else. While we need each other, there is only one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. Would you give him a praise this morning? Hallelujah. The man, Christ Jesus. What should you ask the Father in my name? I'll go ahead and and do it. I'll tell you what, Jesus really carries weight with the Father. The heavens opened up and the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Because what he says is truth and life. He's the cloud and the fire that covers and protects. He's the prophet and the deliverer like Moses. He's the captain of heaven's army that Joshua faced on that momentous day. He's the prophet of the Lord. He's the reigning king. He's the faithful witness. He will always be true. He's the rebuilder and the restorer like Nehemiah and Ezra. In the Psalms 23, he's the Lord, our shepherd. He's your lover and he's your bridegroom. He says, and I'm, we're going to have a marriage. And you got to go ahead and prepare for the marriage. How you doing on that this morning? How you doing on the marriage preparation? It says that the bride has made herself ready. 
She took the initiative, the anticipation, the excitement, you know what I mean? And all of those things that would, would normally fit together. See, she's living in hope. She's living in hope. But he says, you got to prepare. Because I'm the, I'm the, I'm your bridegroom. I am bridegroom. So each one of those things, you know, give a, a visual and an extra dimension to it, you know, in, in various reasons why. As grace comes into your life, it prepares you for the bride. It takes his righteousness and gives you, gives it to you. It takes away your unrighteousness. And it keeps going. He's the messenger of good news. He's the one that bears the people's burdens. And even today, he's the evangelist that's crying out for revival. And I encourage you to never stop praying. Never stop praying for more of God. Never stop positioning your heart. Don't stop asking for more of God. The more of God that you get. You'll see how little you really have. He's the one whose blood washes away all your sins. He's that friend that sticks closer than a brother, and yet he is still the king of kings, and he is the lord of lords. He's the alpha, and he's the omega. God planned grace from the beginning, and Jesus came to reveal it, and I'll ask my musicians to come. When you see Christmas, and when you read the story, and you sing the songs, and all those things that just generate, you know, so much in us, you are seeing the unwrapping of God's plan for your salvation. God planned. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He's not just offering you a good life. He's offering you eternal life. The wonders of grace, the unmerited favor of God, the acceptance of God, the empowerment of God. It says in Hebrews chapter 1, God has spoken so many times in times past in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. By his son. What is the message that you're getting from away in the manger. What is the message that is reverberating in your heart? What is the picture that unfolds when you read the story of the shepherds and the wise men 
and the angels and the Herods, the Marys and the Josephs. your heads up God gives his hardest battles to your strongest warriors God gives his hardest battles to your strongest warriors Goliath was not David's first foe that he met there was a progression. Skill possession, faith development. One day, God moves him from keeping of the flock to the audience of a king who was in desperate need, who was fearful. who was just hiding out. David said, I, I remember the bear and I remember the lion. And you're no different than they, he is. They were. God's given you a sling. God is intending you to pick up some stones symbolically speaking right now it's time to face the giants and the enemy and stop getting up every morning and just listen to him you know taunt you Jesus said get thee behind me Satan praise us for it. Hallelujah. You might not have a problem, but you've had them. You might not be facing one, but you're going to face one. And God must want you to step up to the plate. Don't you get discouraged. Don't you get despondent. I got to close with this. and God says, I'll take your problems and I'll make them mine. I hope this puts a capstone on the grace of God for us this morning. Not just in the hearing of your ears, but in your heart. It's a true story. Short story, but it gives a picture of grace. Jonathan Edwards, the great preacher. He had a daughter with uncontrollable anger. Excuse me. A young man fell in love with her and <clears throat> sought her hand in marriage. And when he approached the father, he said, can I have your daughter's hand in marriage? Jonathan Edwards says, no. You can't have her hand in marriage. He says, but why? I love her. 
Jonathan answered and said, no, no, you can't have her. She's not worthy of you. The young man asked and said, well, but she is a Christian, is she not? Father answered and said, yes, she is. She's a Christian. And here's the PowerPoint of this great man of God. And this is a message of grace. He said, but grace, but the grace of God can live with some people with whom no one else could ever live. Give the Lord a praise. Amen. You can't live with them. They can't live with them. But the grace of God, it can live with them. Because that's what grace is about. Now, it's taken the prostitutes, taken the murderers, taken the distressed and depressed. He says, I can live with it. Not in a powerless state, but in a power state, obviously. Did you stand with me this morning? Oh, hallelujah. Grace, grace, grace. I'm not what I used to be because of grace, and I'm not all that I can be because of what grace will make me. But I am what I am because of the grace of God. It's because of my, the primary reason is because of my heavenly parentage. While the hands of my earthly parents had a great deal to do with it. What they put in my life was because of their heavenly parentage. Amen. Whatever you need, grace is the one that delivers it. Grace delivers it. It is not only a time to celebrate. It is a time to worship. To recognize not just the weakness of ourselves, but the mightiness of the God that's in us. Closer than skin. Amen? Yeah. Turn to somebody and tell them, God's closer than skin. Would you do it? Amen. Let's grab a hold of it. Hallelujah. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Go with God because God is going with you. What do we got there? Oh, yeah. Amen. Doug's saying amen. All right. Hallelujah. I never know what I thought was bidding section was going on or something, you know. <laughs> amen. Enjoy your family. Enjoy God. You know what I mean? And worship the Redeemer. In Jesus' name.